Hello everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to the second episode of Philosophy First. This time we'll be discussing political philosophy, specifically the state of nature which refers to the hypothetical life of people before societies came into existence. And to do this we'll be referring to ideas by Locke and Hobbes who were two um, important political philosophers that influenced ideas about the state of nature. To begin, we'd like to first discuss both Hobbes and Locke individually and then look into how they have differing ideas on the state of nature. So Hobbes believed in the importance of establishing strong government and he thought human nature is such that it will ultimately lead to conflict in the state of nature. Hobbes was a materialist, which means he believed that matter is the fundamental substance from which everything arises, including the mind, consciousness, and mental states. And he also believed in the principle of the conservation of motion, which was introduced by Galileo, and essentially said that all things are naturally in a state of constant motion, and they only stop or change direction as a result of another force acting on them. Hobbes related this to human nature and delved further into the topic in his book Leviathan. According to Hobbes, desire is an inner motion that draws humans to something they want. This is why he established that humans are always in search of something without rest. He believed humans are always in search of felicity, which is the continued success of obtaining what is desired and he believed that every individual's innate search for felicity will result in war. He also believed that humans would develop competition for power since it would contribute to achieving felicity. Hobbes had a few assumptions about the state of nature, and these were that everyone is naturally equal, everyone possesses roughly the same level of skill and strength, there is scarcity, and that everyone will be uncertain about when they could be attacked, stolen from, or killed, and hence will always be on guard. He identified three primary reasons for conflict, and these were preemptive actions against others for safety, the second was for a reputation of being powerful, and the third was for gain from others. He believed that morality is inconceivable in the state of nature and called this the natural right of liberty. What he meant by this is that in a society without any lawmakers that would dedicate certain actions as good and others as evil, there would be no concept of a just act or an unjust act and therefore whatever a person had to do in order to ensure their own survival was acceptable. Along with this, he also established what he believed would be a few laws of nature, and there were 19 in total. Some of these are that everyone hopes for peace when it is possible to obtain it, but when that isn't possible, they may use the advantages of war to do so. This is the first fundamental law. The second one says that everyone must give up right over objects and be happy with having as much liberty as any other person. 
The third says that everyone must follow through with agreements they make. Hobbes didn't intend these as full-fledged laws, but instead said that they can be deduced from the fundamental law and provide the best chance for individual survival if everyone is able to deduce them from the fundamental law, which says that everyone hopes for peace. He also believed that this is unlikely, since most people won't come to these conclusions amidst a state of nature, and also because it requires collective rationality. Collective rationality refers to what is best for each individual when every single person acts the same. It is hard to achieve because humans will most likely be tempted by individual rationality, which is what is best for the individual in relation to others, by taking advantage of the fact that everyone else acts the same and gaining individual advantage. This will then lead to everyone breaking the laws of nature and chaos would ensue. Hence, Hobbes defines the state of nature as a constant state of readiness to fight. So the next philosopher we will be talking about is John Locke. Now, in the 17th century, English philosopher John Locke contributed to the three greatest issues which still continue to concern us to this day. In the state of nature by Locke, the state is of perfect freedom, a state of equality, and third, a state which is bound by nature. For Locke, it was believed that naturally no individual had the right to rule. In the sense, a dictator or a leader was always appointed by God. Locke looked at this idea in a form of a theological aspect. In Locke's second written book, called the Second Treatise, the law of nature is a simple idea that mankind was to be preserved as much as possible. That meant no individual would have the right to harm others except for self-defense. In the state of nature, it was one's duty to help others without causing any damage to ourselves. Even though Locke spoke a lot about moral laws, he did not assume that humans would automatically follow it, saying that there was a need of a law enforcer. But Locke believed that the law of nature could not exist in vain. In a sense, it was created by God who would do nothing in vain. Therefore, the way of enforcing law would have been by somebody who would have the power to enforce it. But this power would be equally distributed among everyone in the state of nature. He concludes that there must be a natural right held by each person to punish those who have offended the law of nature, and each individual would have the right to punish those who have harmed another's life, liberty, or property. Locke believed in a state of nature, morality, in a sense, would prevail because citizens would have to band together to work against someone who is not abiding the law of nature. He refers to this as the executive power of the law of nature. Locke also spoke of the right to private property. Since God put humans on earth and would want them to own land and other private property in order to live well. Locke also backs his theological approach with the idea of natural reason. This has incentivized some of Locke's supporters to agree with his ideas despite his overarching theological view. Locke also thought that there was no scarcity in the state of nature. 
which is why there were fewer reasons for conflict. He believed that peace would be established through the executive powers of the law of nature and the fact that it would rarely have to be used since there were a few reasons of conflict again. An alternative argument is that the people would still prefer to steal goods created by the neighbors rather than obtaining it or making them, since an easier option was available. Hence, administrating justice is the primary problem in the state of nature. According to Locke, he also sees an initial abundance to scarcity and greed along the invention of money. And he did admit that the state of nature may not be as peaceful as he thought to be in the beginning. Hence, even for Locke, the state of nature eventually becomes burdened by conflict and the need for a stronger government arises. Now that we've spoken about both Hobbes and Locke's views on the state of nature, I think looking into their background or early life would be useful since information from there can be connected to their current views. And this could explain a lot about why Hobbes has a slightly more cynical view, whereas uh, Locke's approach is more theological. During his life, Hobbes often worked as a tutor for students in wealthy families, and this provided a gateway through which his knowledge about power and government increased, and these experiences influenced his ideas. His interest in political philosophy grew here, and around the year 1642, the civil unrest in England resulted in Hobbes believing that strong government and civil order is extremely important. In order to look into the differing views between Hobbes and Locke when it comes to the state of nature, we can discuss a few points that go against Locke's argument. The first being the fact that Locke's fundamental mistake seems to be in thinking that all people follow the will of God and believe in the existence, power and authority of God and also have a moral sense which would in influence them to act a certain way towards others through which peace could be maintained in the state of nature. Secondly, Locke also talks about the executive power of the law of nature which means that each person in the state of nature has the right to punish those who harm another's life, liberty or property. This idea does make sense because it can be seen in practices even today, not only in the state of nature. For example, when a criminal is reported to the police by a third party. This may not be exactly what Locke meant when he spoke about the executive power of the law of nature, but Thinking about this point in his argument raises a question about how he uses this to support his argument by saying that criminals and behavior that is negative towards others will be curbed by the executive power of the law of nature wielded by each person in the state of nature. Comparing it to um, our current society, we can see that uh, people still sort of use this today, but it doesn't act as a deterrent towards criminals and it doesn't work towards reducing the number of antisocial beings in society, as Locke put it. And that's why if we cannot see it working in our current state, why would it work in the state of nature? Lastly, one other point against Locke's argument 
is the fact that he talks about how there is no scarcity in the state of nature and due to their moral sense and multiple other assumptions that Locke makes for his argument, people will not be tempted to hurt or steal from other people due to the natural abundance that uh, is present in the state of nature. This point can be refuted by saying that people will usually look for the easiest way out. And by that, I mean, even though I live in a place of abundance and I could easily walk up to an area close by and obtain whatever I want, if my neighbor has already obtained that and used it to make something that I desire, then my easiest way out would be to go and steal from that person. And due to human nature, this uh, attitude could be more natural than following the moral sense proposed by Locke. And hence, it would only make sense if the state of nature, according to Locke, would also spiral into a state of war. In fact, Locke comes close to admitting that the state of nature may not be as peaceful as he expected it to be in the beginning and says that eventually the state of nature would become unbearable. Contrary to the problems with Locke's argument when it comes to Hobbes, the first point against his ideas about the state of nature is that his approach to the motivations of human beings regarding how they are in continuous seek of felicity is an extremely reductionist approach and it doesn't consider other factors that could play a role in influencing human beings. Secondly, one of the reasons why Hobbes believed that conflict would break out in the state of nature is the lack of mutual trust between people. And this refers to a notion that one's gains equal another's loss. This can also be called zero-sum mentality and Hobbes bases his argument on the belief that this is one singular way in which people will think, whereas it is highly likely that there could be people who don't entirely operate based on this one zero-sum mentality. Lastly, another point that works against Hobbes' argument is the fact that relationships between humans can be extremely useful when it comes to survival. And he doesn't really address the innate altruism that we can see in multiple species even today. In fact, Rousseau, who had opposing arguments to both Hobbes and Locke, based his ideas on the state of nature, on the idea that humans would be capable of cooperation and will showcase this natural altruism, which is a point that Hobbes failed to consider. Lastly, just to provide a little bit of context regarding Locke's religious views and how that translated into his ideas on the state of nature. Locke believed that there is a strong connection between religion and morality and he regularly approached various uh, concepts and ideas in a theological way. So I think that concludes episode 2. And thank you so much for listening.